Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. All right, let's go to the book of Acts, which sometimes we call Luke chapter 2, or the second sequel of uh, Luke. Luke wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. He was a very close companion to um, Paul throughout his ministry. And he was writing to a guy named Theophilus. He starts off in the the Gospel of Luke uh, talking about Theophilus. Here's an account of what I know. Nobody really knows for sure. There's a lot of speculation of who Theophilus was. Some think he was actually an attorney that was working on Paul's case in, uh, in Rome. And so he gave him a testament of what all the Jews and what everything was in an uproar about, about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And then we, he writes another account, and he starts off right where he left off, about the book of Acts. And that's what Jesus was doing within the church and what was going on there. He laid out a very detailed account. Beanie was a physician. He took good notes, and uh, we're thankful that he did. We're going to be in chapter 6, but I want to start off a little bit, like two verses before in chapter 5. It was just after the apostles got all beat up for proclaiming Jesus that we pick up here in verse 41 of chapter 5. Does anybody need a Bible here, by the way? We have some extra ones back there if no one's got them. Um, If not, that's good. We can get them to you if you need them. So anyways, in verse 41, we're just going to read through this, and we'll go back and pick it apart a little bit. So they departed from the presence of the council who just beat the tar out of him, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. Now in those days when the numbers of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Simon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him, and they brought him to the council. They also set up fault witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him and saw his face as the face of an angel. So the church, after it 
it's real young in history here, and they've tried a lot of things that they thought were the right thing to do, that the Lord was wanting them to do, and then they made a few mistakes along the way. And uh, they were very young and growing, but they were gathering together. Back in verse 41, we see that they were meeting on, on the Sabbath in the synagogues, and then every other day in, in the houses of everybody. They were gathering together. And uh, just like we're doing here, we gather together, we want to hear from God, and we want to really grow as believers as we await the day that he takes us home. And so there was a lot of persecution in those days. The Jews were having a hard go of it. In Jerusalem, there was, there was, it was a mixed culture. There was, the Romans were ruling. You had your Jews who were you know, very faithful to their, uh, the, the law of Moses. And then you had the uh, Hellenistic Jews that actually were speaking Greek. They dressed like the Greeks. They were, I would say, the more modern part of society in those days. So there was probably a little bit of clash between them and the Jews that, you know, that grew up around there. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story here. Just briefly, real quick, I was thinking the other day when Don asked me to, to teach today, it brought back a thought in my mind that it's like he's holding the keys to, to his car here. Don loves this church very much. He, he's an awesome pastor. He's got a heart for you guys. It's just amazing. But just the thought crossed my mind that it's like, here, keys to my car, John, drive it safely. And I almost felt like telling Don, I remember the first time my mom let me drive her car. I drove my dad's car a lot. But my mom finally that one day said, here, take good care of my car. I got about two miles down the road, and I wrapped it around a telephone pole. And I thought about telling that to Don, and it's like, but don't worry, we'll be all right here. I'm not 16 anymore, you know. <laughs> yep, I didn't. I didn't want to worry him, although when he listens to this, he might go, uh-oh, what are we into? Anyways, in those days, let's see on, on verse 1 here, that they said the, uh, there, a disruption arose in the body, just like our body here, sometimes it happens, that the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, whether they really were or not, we don't know. Um, just like our families at home, when you get a big family get together for Thanksgiving or whatever, sometimes the bigger the family, the, the bigger the problem can arise. You get a lot of disruption, a lot of things going on. And whether these widows really were being neglected or not, it really doesn't say here. But the, the apostles decided to deal with it. You know, let's nip this in the bud right now. Now, the scriptures tell us in James 1, I think it's 1, uh, 27. Let me look there real quick. That they were actually fulfilling scripture by doing this. I mean, that's one of the reasons to gather and to have the body is to take care of one another. Let me think where it is this at. It says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So they were all doing the right thing here, but when this came up before the apostles, they said, this is not good that there's starting a division starting to happen in the church. And just over what we're supposed to be doing anyways. What are we going to argue about? I mean, let's not do that. And it's when they said, you know, choose out for you seven guys that can take care of this. It's not that they were sloughing off and saying it's not important. They were saying it is important, and this is how we're going to deal with it. So they summoned the 12, 
of the multitudes of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And so that's what they did. And therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. There's a couple qualifications here now for actually ministering in the church. And really, that's what we're all called to do here. I mean, there's, there's different ways to minister. And I see it happening here. There was a time, I think it was last August, I came into a, a position in my life where I didn't have a car. I mean, and suddenly I was without a car, and it was very hard for me to even get to church here. Someone in the church stepped up here that same weekend. And I was real hesitant about even praying for it. There, you know, there's pride in your life and this and that. But it got mentioned, and that very week, I ended up with a car from a brother here in church. It was, it was awesome. And, and I also see other gifts that are happening here in church. Um, one day I was kind of just sleeping through Don's message. I mean, Don's messages are awesome, and I shouldn't be sleeping through. I was half sleeping. I was listening to him. But it was after the service that God really touched my heart. And it was just Brother Manny that was there. to. He shared what God showed him in Ecclesiastes just a few weeks ago. It might have been that week. He shared that with me, just sharing it with me. But that is what God wanted me to know that day, that day. So in this body of believers, I, I see a good work going on. And I just want to encourage you guys to keep doing it. Um, God does call us to do different things there. But there's also times that we can step out in faith and volunteer to do more. And so the, where they start to choose these seven here, seven's a number you're going to see all, the, all over in the scriptures, that there's, there's some qualifications for these guys to take care of this, this, uh, this almost a split in the church there. And one of them is a man of good reputation. And I had to think as I was reading that this morning is, would I have been chosen as one of those seven? Is my reputation above board? I mean, and that's something that we would need to reflect on. God has given us a lot of freedom in life. I mean, when Jesus paid for our sins, he, he paid for them. They're paid in full. But as others see, see me in life, are they going to see Jesus? Or are they going to see me stumbling and, and, you know, not being a fair witness to God and his grace? So I just kind of thought about that this morning. What is reputation? You know, a lot of times in life, people that are not in fellowship, the only Bible they're going to read is your life. You know, they're not going to open up the book and, and see what grace is all about. They're going to be looking at you. So these guys, he, the apostle said, go out and choose seven men with a good reputation. And then they said uh, the second thing would be full of the Holy Spirit. And when we get saved, we receive God's spirit. We are, we are made alive together again with him, in fellowship with him. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. And I would, if we could just quickly turn to Galatians 5.22. And it gives us a good description of what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about, what's going to be evident in your life. And basically, it'll bounce right back to your reputation. It says in uh, Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the person they're going to choose to try to deal with this problem and take care of the widows and do it fairly so that there's no, no arguments in church, they have to demonstrate those things. Basically, that is what a good reputation would be. If you're demonstrating love in your life, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, there's no such law against those things. And if you back up a little bit, you can see the works of the flesh. We won't go into those. just looks a lot like Hollywood and Washington, D.C., if you ask me the things that. So we've got to see in our lives. We've got, to, we've got to see if the Holy Spirit, if we're giving him room in our lives to rule our lives. It, it becomes very evident. I mean, you'll notice it. So you have the good reputation. They have to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Wisdom's a big one. What is wisdom? The way I think of wisdom in life, you, someone can have all the knowledge in the world, but they can lack wisdom. I've, I've lived my life like that before. I knew a lot of things, but the wisdom wasn't evident in my life at all. Wisdom basically is applied, applied knowledge. You know something, but you do something about it. You do something with it, I should say. That, that is wisdom, and there's a couple scriptures that I think we can uh, quickly go over. James, James talks a lot about wisdom, a whole lot. So if we could just, uh, we'll go to James 1 real quick. Oh, verse 5, I think. Because these three things, we do want them in our lives. We want, to, we want to be that if the apostles had something going on, that they, they would choose us. We want God to use us. It's kind of the whole basis for what, what I've been going through in this study here is that God use me. God, make me an empty vessel, use me. But I'm going to need wisdom to do it. Verse 5 of, of, of James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. So God's made a promise here. If we see that we need to apply knowledge in our life and be wise about it, God says just ask him. Just ask him, and, and he's going to give it to all who ask, and not just a little bit. He says liberally, without reproach. There's, there's no strings attached. He's, he's going to give you the wisdom that you need to perform the task that, that he's called you to do, to live your life, basically. And I think there's another one, James 3, 17, speaks of wisdom as well. It says, the wisdom that is, a, is from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. So let's think about what the apostles are dealing with here, and then I'll read that verse again. There's a division happening about taking care of the widows there. You've got your Greek-speaking Jews, believers, and you've got your, your Aramaic-speaking ones, and they're complaining that, hey, you're showing favoritism here just because we speak Greek or we dress differently. So the ones that they choose... They have to get wisdom that is from above. 
It's got to be pure. It's got to be peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So those seven guys that they're going to choose here, that's what they have to do to carry out this business. And the apostle said that, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, when I, I first came to uh, Rochester Calvary Chapel here, I was really, I've, I've got a servant's heart a lot in life. I really like to help out um, the leadership there in any way I can. I've always done that. Um, keeps me out of trouble for one thing, but I really, it's a tough job. Don's got a tough job. Um, yeah, there's a lot of time involved for him to uh, to study the word, a lot of time in prayer, but he, a pastor will come under a, a attack very often, spiritual attack. So he's got he's got a big task ahead of him. So when I first started coming here, I'm kind of the guy that's going to sit in the back anyways and hide a little bit and just just watch for a while, and then I'll, then I'll come in and I'll ask the pastor, you know, is there anything I can do for you? And and that's how exactly how I did. I'm a creature of habit. That's exactly how it happened here. First day that I decided, all right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to help Don in the morning. I'm going to go see if he needs any help because I know he does a lot of stuff preparing. Him and Teresa, incredible. And then there's been others here helping as well. But I walk in the door and, and Don greets me and he's got this um, toilet bowl brush cleaner in his hand. And I thought, I can't let the pastor of the church I'm going to be cleaning toilets. So I asked him, I said, is there anything I can help you with? You know, And he says, well, I just did the toilets. You can vacuum the floors. And I thought, okay, cool, whatever. So I did the vacuuming the floors, and I thought, well, next week I'm going to come in you know, 10 minutes earlier, and I'm going to catch him before he cleans the toilets. So I did. I woke up a little 10 minutes earlier, got here a little bit earlier, and Sure enough, there's Don walking from here over to there, and he's got that darn toilet brush in his hand again. And it's like, Don, is there anything I can help you with? And I was kind of hinting that I want that toilet brush. And he says, well, you can vacuum. I've already done the toilets. And then you can set out the little cards on the chairs. And I thought, all right, I can do that. It's like, I'm going to win at this game. So I got about 45 minutes earlier next time. I think it's about the time he was opening the door here, but he was already here. I walk in, and I'm walking up to Don, and my eyes are just zoned in on that toilet brush. And he's like, John, my eyes are up here. What's going on today? And it's like, I couldn't get my eyes off that toilet brush. So he had me vacuum, put the cards on the table, and then pencils. He already had cleaned the toilets. I really thought that was God's calling in my life. I wanted to clean the toilets for him. I didn't want my pastor doing that. And it was only about four weeks ago. I think it was the last time I was here. And we were just talking, Don and I, and... I was going to ask him about that. I mean, it's just going around in my head. I want that toilet brush done. But he says, you know, John, sometimes he says just to get to keep grounded. He says, I like to do things around the church here, like cleaning toilets. He says, it keeps me grounded. I like to do that. He says, and it gives me time to think and prepare. It just gets my mind off, you know, everything that's going on. And it's like, that's why I couldn't get to that toilet brush as bad as I wanted to. <laughs> that was his time with the Lord. I mean, it, and I wasn't about to take that away at all. And it's like, man, okay. So sometimes if you're trying real hard to serve in a certain area, uh, God's got other plans. And we're going to read about Stephen here real quick. Stephen was a very gifted man. For this next chapter and a little bit after that, I think the one even following that, 
you hear a whole lot about Stephen, but Stephen is chosen here to take care of the widows and, to, you know, the distributions in the church to take care of the, the members there. But Stephen was very gifted, and he was also a very humble man. He could have said, I don't think I should be helping out the widows. I, th- I think I've got the gift of teaching. I've got, I've got gifts of healing. I've, you know, I think God can use me in many other ways, which is true. God can. God might. But right here, he was being chosen to do what some people might think, well, that's kind of a menial task. It's like, no, it's not. Um, we're all a family here, and we've all, everybody plays a part. I think it's in 1 Corinthians where it talks about each member, you know, no one's above the other, and the gifts, you know, none of them are more important than others, but they're all going to work for the better of the body, to build up the body. And I think that's what we're seeing here. This is the early church body. They're just starting to grow. A little bit of growing pains here. And Stephen just humbled himself and said, yes, I'll do it. And it says, Stephen was a man of faith and the Holy Spirit. And I thought we could just look just at a few quick scriptures of what Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit is. Basically, we just already did a little bit on the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of love, goodness, peace, and all that. But what is faith? So let's go to Hebrews 11.1 1 real quick. Faith is talked about a lot. Um, faith is an active word. And faith also is a word that uh, should be a part of our lives all the time. I mean, we shouldn't do anything apart from faith because Scripture says if it's done apart from faith, it's actually sin. So we really need to consider, is it faith? All right, what did I say? 11.1. This is the description of faith. Now, this would be describing the faith that Stephen had. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. So we're kind of talking about his reputation again right there, his testimony. It is by faith. Stephen couldn't have done it on his own. If we go a little bit farther to... To, I think of verse 6 is it um, without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so for us to be able to go to God to be in prayer with him we have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder And this is Stephen. Stephen does believe this. Uh, If we try things apart from faith, it's going to fail. Then in Hebrews 12, 2, where do we get our faith from? It says here that Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down, at the right hand of the throne of God. It says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. We didn't, it's not something that we start, and it's not something that we've got to carry out, and it's not something that we're going to complete. Jesus himself is going to complete that in our lives. And I think there's one more I want to do, talk about. 
Uh, how do we get faith? I think that was in Romans 10, 17. Sorry, that my life is like that. I go back and forth in life all the time, and sometimes that's how my studies go. Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So how do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing. we got to listen. Listen to what? The word of God. If we're not spending time in the scriptures, if we're too busy in our lives, we're not going to be hearing from God. Our, our faith is not going to be as strong as it could be. Sometimes in my life, I'm sure you guys have heard the, uh, the parable that Jesus gave about the, uh, the sower and the seed. It's, it's one a lot of times I'll just read over. Yeah, yeah, I know that one, Lord. But it says, the sower went out to sow seed. Some fell, you know, on, on hard soil. Some fell on a rocky place. Some fell amongst the weeds, and some fell on good soil and produced, you know, a crop, fruit. 30, 60, and 100-fold. Sometimes I see my life as I'm in the weeds. Um, I think what Jesus is telling us there is he wants us to be in the good soil where we're going to be producing fruit. But too often we find ourselves in the weeds. And what is it, the weeds? It's, it's the cares of the world that seem to drive us in. Sometimes I'm so busy at work or I'm so, so busy just in life that I'm not spending time in God's word. And then... You know, time can go by, days, months, years, and for someone to find themselves years where they've been out of God's word, their lives are going to reflect it. There's going to be a lot of hardships going on. And that's my prayer that uh, us here, and myself especially, that I would spend time in God's word. That's where I'm going to receive my faith, by hearing, by being in the word of God. There was a time real recently, right now, if you don't know, I'm living in Detroit Lakes. But there was a time recently that I decided to, uh, to pray about moving up to Detroit, take a job up there. But I was telling the guys earlier that I decided to pray about it when I already had the U-Haul haul filled up and I was on the road driving. Let's pray about moving to Detroit Lakes. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want us to wait till after the situation. You've already made your decision. He wants you to ask him beforehand. And so before the apostles here decided to deal with the widows, they said, you guys choose them, then we're going to pray about it. And that's what they did there. I think, let's see, on verse 6 of chapter 6, it says, they set, the, they set those seven amongst them. And then they said, when they had prayed, they laid hands on them to carry out the work. Prayer is never not seen in the scriptures here on a successful journey that God has led these people through on all of it. They're always praying. When you see Paul or Peter in the prisons, they're praying. They're, they're studying the scriptures as they're meeting from house to house here. It's these simple things that sometimes when we're in the weeds in life, we forget to do. The very thing that we need the most to keep us from being in the weeds is the thing that we're ignoring. That There was a time in my life where I got like that. My life was, I was getting into a comfort zone. And uh, there was a long time ago I made a prayer that God honored. Let me, I'll step back and tell you, I was a, a very young believer. I had some guys nurturing me at work. We, they would get together, pray with me. I mean, these guys were raising me up in the Lord. But we had one guy that we worked with that was, he was the worst. This guy would... He would try to harass us. He would try to tempt us. He was always making fun of us. 
just all the time he was relentless. He claimed to be a uh, roadie of some rock band. I think it was Metallica, actually, before they even had anything recorded. I think he was more of a groupie. He wasn't. He was. He was not one of their their roadies. But one day, the four of us were getting together, and these guys who were a little bit older than me, definitely in the Lord, they were older than me. We were praying, and they said, "You know, we're holding hands, got my eyes closed. I'm a young believer, and I hear them say, I said, they said, uh, Lord." Break Ralph's arm if that's what it takes. And boy, when my eyes popped open and it's like, did those guys just really pray that right there? And then I could hear them all repeat, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes. And I thought, wow, that is really strange. It's kind of scary for me. That I think that was probably on a Wednesday. Friday, Ralph didn't come into work. Word got out over the weekend that... Um, Ralph was stabbed by his girlfriend, was on almost almost his deathbed. And I thought, man, did we pray that into his life? Did that happen because of what we said? And I really started feeling guilty. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, Ralph showed up. In bandages, he came there, was on light duty and all that. He, he lived and everything like that. But he singled me out, and I don't know why. He came up to me. He says, John, I almost died this weekend. He said, I know you guys have been praying for me. He says, what do I got to do to get saved? And it's like, holy cow, really? Ralph, this guy, and why did he come to me? I didn't know what to do. And he was literally ready to accept the Lord. He actually got down on his knees. I was just going to sit there and pray with him. I mean, I had never really prayed with anybody before in my life at that point. Ralph was ready to get saved. And that's what it took in his life. And, and that prayer stuck with me. I, I haven't prayed for anybody's arm to be broken, but I have prayed, Lord, whatever it takes in my life, whatever it takes, do it. And there was a point about four years ago, I, like I said, I was living in comfort zone, kind of in the weeds again, and I wasn't in the Word as much as I should. I mean, I was opening up irregularly. I wasn't in close fellowship at church how I should have been. I mean, I was just getting busy. I, I had a busy, successful business going on, and life was good, you might say. But I left my first love. I, I, the Lord was out of my life for a while. I was not in fellowship. And I know the people at church were praying for me, and God honored that prayer from back then, whatever it takes. He pulled the rug out from under me whew, so fast. And some people in life might have a hard time with that, saying, oh, man, these struggles, I can't take it, this and that. For me, it was the best thing that ever happened. It, it brought the Lord back first and foremost in my life. Because he was, he was riding in the back seat with me. I, I wasn't letting him be with me, Lord of my life. I wasn't making him Lord of my life. I was just hanging on, yeah, I'm saved, but you know, I'm not going to be praying about my problems. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm too busy to worry about it. But he was faithful. And a part of me says, pray that prayer, Lord, whatever it takes in my life. And another part is, be ready before you pray that one. That, God honors your prayer, every single one of them. But pray that, man, whatever it takes, Lord, in my life. So anyways, Stephen here, man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He's got faith. He humbles himself. He's going to do the job there of the ministry, of taking care of them. Notice that the, the seven names they chose, they're all Greek names. 
the apostles didn't say, all right, we're going to have three of the, the Jews and three of the Greek speaking. We're going to make this fair. They said, no, we're going to make sure this is covered, that if you've got a complaint about these these uh, Greek-speaking widows not being taken care of, we're going to send you all Greek-speaking guys, and they're going to take care of it. That was just a trust that, hey, this is going to be taken care of. We don't need to worry about this, and they did. And Philip, we see later on in life there, God used him tremendously. Yeah, he's serving here, but God opened up ministry through that as he goes in life. I mean, he's the one that ran up next to the chariot and jumped on board with the guy from Ethiopia, who was right in the middle of, I think, Isaiah reading, you know, who am I reading about? That was Philip there. He's later on in the story, but Stephen right here, sadly, he uh, he gets into a big dispute with the, uh, the Jews there at that time. He goes on in chapter 7 to give one of the best history lessons. I think as, as a non-Jew, but a Christian, it's one of the, it helps me understand the Old Testament and God's dealing with the, our early fathers, our, our church fathers back there, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, the best history listen there. And rather than the Jews listen to that and, and listen to Stephen tell that story, they didn't. They plugged their ears, and they ended up stoning him. So Stephen was faithful to the end, but he humbled himself, and God used him greatly. Same with Philip. Humbled himself, God used him greatly. One time when I... Uh, I was sitting in church, and the pastor was saying that one of the guys that was teaching the Bible study in the jails had cancer, a young guy, 32, a guy named Donnie. And he said, uh, John, I think you need to pray about doing that. And it's like, I think the pastor is wrong. I don't need to, I don't need to do that. I, I have nothing in common with those guys in jail. Um, I've only known the Lord probably three years, and it's like, I don't want to do it, but he asked me to pray about it, so I did. And and the Lord didn't close the door. So I thought, all right, I'll step out in faith. If this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to do it. So I ended up down at the prison, and, you know, they closed the doors behind you and all that. And I had prepared. I said, oh, yeah, this will be a piece of cake. I'll prepare a good study, go in there and talk to those criminals. So I got in there, and it was a pretty good crowd, but they, they tore me up. Um, there was a couple in there that knew the scriptures a lot better than me. And not in a, uh, a saving faith way. They just knew how to argue the scriptures. And it turned into a big argument my first day there. And I thought, see, Lord, this is not the ministry you want me in. And I was ready to throw it all up, give it all away, and say, Lord, I'm, I'll go back and do something else. This, this is not for me. I mean, it, it was to that point. I'd studied hard on that study, too. It was kind of crazy. Then the guards, after they let the uh, prisoners out, they said, uh, there's one other guy that wants to come see you. Is that all right if he comes and sees you? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Why not? They said, well, we need to take your guitar away from you before he comes in, though. It's like, all right, he doesn't like music. What's the deal? I'm... And they said, no, the, the guitar strings can be used as a weapon. This this guy's he, he's a felon. It's like, all right. So I sat there, and I, they took the guitar, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe he'll listen to the study that I prepared. So I can hear the chains coming down the hallway there, and, the guy walks around the corner, and this dude is huge. And he's just got this look on his face that the world has tore him to bits, just tore him to bits. And they got his hand, his feet are shackled, his hands are shackled together, and they're shackled to his waist. 
And he comes in, and the, the guards, before they left, they go to unshackle his, his wrist chains. And I'm thinking, is that a good idea, you guys? Maybe you should leave those chains on him. And uh, But they did. They unshackled him, and then they left. And as soon as they left and closed the door, I could see this guy's face go from, I'm Mr. Bad in this place. When the guards were gone, it just mellowed out. And it's like, man, there's something going on in this guy's life right now before I even speak to him. So he sits down and he said, if you knew what I did in life, John, he said, you would not even be speaking with me right now. You wouldn't even be here. I said, I'm not worried about you, what you did in your life. I said, we're both here right now, and God loves both of us equally. I mean, he died for both of us. He says, I don't know about that. I don't know if God can forgive me for what I've done. I said, um, I'm sure he can. I said, I've, I've been in a place just like that, not, probably not in the same circumstance as you, but I've been there. I know, I know what you're talking about in that point. I was hopeless at one time. This guy was hopeless. So we got to talking a little bit, and he told me he's never going to get out of there for what he'd done. That's about all I know of what he'd done. I didn't want to know the details. But we got to pray before, before he left, before they came back in, chained him back up, took him away. And I was thinking about that guy just, just recently, and I thought, he's probably still there if he's alive. He's probably still behind bars. But if he gave his life to the Lord that day, he is still he's saved. He's, he's free. He's free, and, and he would know it. I don't, I don't know his condition to this day. I, I really don't. The Lord does. The Lord is faithful. But God is faithful in that he showed me that even though I had something prepared for those guys at the jail that day, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for that man that was hopeless. I mean, he had no hope. He had no hope in life to someone to give him a little bit of hope. Um, and that's why God had me there. It, so often I try to do things for the Lord through what I think God wants me to do, and sometimes through my own abilities, and I leave I leave the Lord behind, and it's it's like no, it's it's got to be Him, or it's not going to be at all, and that that's just been my life the whole way through. I mean, it's I learned the hard way, and I I, th I think you guys as as a body of believers here, you guys are doing good. You've got an awesome pastor. And you guys are ministering to one another. And I really think that that's key there. Just, I'm thinking, don't, don't leave the Lord out in your time. Be faithful in it. Praying, I mean, praying is the most important thing. Out All the things we just talked about, about the good reputation, having wisdom and all that, the most important thing, I, I can, cannot stress it enough, is prayer. And sometimes the thing in life that I shortcut on more than anything is prayer. Sometimes I can spend, you know, a couple hours in the Word and a couple minutes in prayer. I mean, really, is that is that where the priority should be? And sometimes my prayers can, sometimes I can, like going through the motions, you know, I, I know I need to pray, I know I need to spend some time with the Lord, and but i got to get to work in ten minutes, so... We'll cut this short, Lord. Lord, forgive me for that. I, I just pray that he would just inspire me to be more of a prayerful man. For the body here to 
to win souls for Christ, to grow as a body of believers. We've got to pray. We've got to pray for one another. Um, that, that, that is key. That is foremost. And I can't stress that enough. Take time to pray for Don. Um, find out when, when times that he's studying the word and say, while you study for this Sunday's message or Wednesday's, I'll pray for you during that time. I mean, that would be a, a good thing to do. He needs prayer. There was a time recently, I didn't know if I was going to share this or not. It's kind of a private thing, but it has to do with prayer. Um, my prayer life, it, I feel it, it, it's good at times, and the other times it's lacking. But I noticed the, it, was, it was the same day Don called me to give the message, actually. Sitting there in my room, just had woke up and was spending time with the Lord. I mean, just in sincere prayer. And one of the things which I ask for quite often when I am praying is, Lord, place all my sins and guilt on you at the cross of Calvary. Free me from that, God, before I go out this day to to work and to deal with others and all that. And the Lord impressed it upon my, my heart at that moment. Have you considered what you're asking, John? It's like, what? I mean, he got my attention. It stopped me from praying. I mean, I'm still in prayer mode, but I'm not speaking anymore. What does he mean, have I considered what I just asked him yet? Have my sins thrown upon Jesus. You know, forgive me, Lord. And as I'm sitting there just silently considering why, why he's saying that, and I know, I know now why, why he brought that upon my heart, it's because I was just saying it out of habit almost. It's, I wasn't really considering what he was saying. So he gave me, he gave me a little example, and it's, I'm in prayer, I'm thinking that thing over, and suddenly I can just see myself at the cross. I see Jesus up there hanging, hanging on the cross. And I have with me a couple doctors and nurses, I've got two guys with ladders, and I've got a, a, a decree that says we can take Jesus down from the cross without him dying. And, and to me, as I'm sitting there praying this, it seems very real, but God was making a point in my mind here, in my heart. So I've got this decree to take Jesus down. So the plan is, I'm going to walk up there, and as Jesus is stretching there, going for his next breath, I'm going to reach my arm around him, lift him up so the other guys can remove the nails out of his hands so I can help him breathe by holding him up because he can't breathe while he's hanging there. So they're up on their ladder getting ready to remove the nails. I'm on my ladder getting ready to, to put my uh, arms around his waist and lift him up so we can, we can save Jesus, so to speak. And I'm looking right at him, and Jesus says, You know what you have to do, John. And I'm thinking, What? He says, It's all right, John. I love you. I love you. This is why I'm doing this, because I love you. So, I go to throw my arms around him like I had intended, but instead I, I put my arms around his neck, and I'm embracing him in love, 
And I'm telling him, thank you, Lord. And he says, thank you, John, for trusting me. And my, my stepladder pops out from behind me. And all my weight is supporting him at this point in time. And he couldn't get that last breath. It was my sins that were put upon Jesus that kept him from taking his last breath to where he did die for my sins. And the Lord just really laid that on my heart that when I'm in prayer and I'm asking him, God, forgive me, I need to consider how great a love that he had. I mean, the creator of the universe, he became man. I mean, he came down and took on humanity and he rode in on Palm Sunday as king, as Lord, and then gave all that away for us so that our sins could be forgiven. He says, I'll pay the penalty for you. He did ask at the Garden of Gethsemane, God, if Father, if there's another way, let's do it. Let's go with Plan B. Plan A, the cross is that's a, that's a real hard one to do. He said, Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And it is the Father's will that our sins be forgiven, and they are. Jesus did pay them. He he loved us so much that he he went through with it. That, that's a brutal thing. There's nothing pretty about it. And now, God's got my attention, as of late, that I'm not going through the motions as much anymore. Even if I'm tired in the morning, it's, it's not out of because I have to. It's more because I want to. I want to spend that time with him. And I, I, I just couldn't say it enough. The most important thing out of, out of everything that we read today is your time in prayer. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't shortchange the Lord. I mean, just pray that God would just, you know, whatever it takes in your life to draw you closer. Just, just bring me there, Lord Jesus. Just, I want to be there with you every step of the way. I want to be used in ministry. Open up those doors, Lord. I mean, it all comes down to your time with the Lord, because that's what our prayer is. It's, it's time, spending time with our Father. So I guess I'm going to close with that right now. If uh, Luke wants to come up and do a little bit of music, we'll uh, reflect on on what God may have spoken to you. I know it's probably just me. <laughs> I just, I heard the Lord He, when I was studying for this. Lord, less of me, more of you. Um, that's got to be what it is. If otherwise we're going to fail, we're just going to go through the motions. It's it's got to be, it's got to be the Lord ruling and reigning in our lives. So let's just bow our hearts in a, a word of prayer right now, and uh, we'll close with a worship song here. Father, uh, thank you for this day that we call Palm Sunday, Lord. Um, thank you that you decided to save us, God. A people that has had an obstinate heart, a selfish heart, God. I've had that, Lord. I've had that type of heart, Lord. So often that in my life, my plans have not been in direct line with yours, Lord. I truly want to seek your face, God. I pray that everybody here would consider you, Lord, in their lives as well. 
And if there's anybody here today, Lord, that that might be struggling in any area of their life or might be considering wanting to serve you in a greater capacity somewhere, or if there's someone that's hurting physically, God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd meet us here right now, that you would meet those needs. Father, just pour your love out upon them. I, I cannot describe, Father, how, how much you love us. It, it just blows my mind, Lord, that, that you even do. I know I'm not worthy of your love, Lord. We're not, but because of your, your grace, your mercy, your great love, God, that you have poured it out upon us. And, Father, we just want to thank you right now. And we uh, just pray these things in the, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.